0: Well, good morning, Grace. It's wonderful to be with you this morning as a family. I'm honored to be with you. And I want to point to you to Easter and Good Friday. You know, um, this is a a great outreach opportunity for us. Uh, We call them Cra-Easters in the church. They're people that attend at Christmas and Easter. And so they're often called Cra-Easters. And um, there's a lot of people out there that don't know the Lord. Amen? So we have postcards at the Connection Center that you can pick up. And uh, hand those out to a few of your neighbors, or a few of your friends, and invite them to come be with us Good Friday and Easter. It's a wonderful time for people not only to kind of come and visit us, but most of all to come into the family of God. Well, uh, today I'm continuing kind of in this series of one-offs, and I'm teaching a message uh, called What You Say Can Change a Life. Um, Do you believe that? The scripture says life and death are in the power of the tongue. So let me ask you a question. How many of you uh, remember something that somebody said to you that changed your life for good or for bad? Just show of hands. God has called us to be those that speak his word to everybody we meet. And his word changes people's lives. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for the gift of this opportunity you have given me to speak to your people. God, as always, I acknowledge I cannot do anything apart from you, but in you I can do all things. So, Lord, I allow this message to come to me right now because I need to hear it just as much as anybody else here. But, Father, help your message to come through me, Lord God, to the hearts and minds of your people, that we would leave here as a a mobilized army of people that speak words of grace and love and life and challenge and truth. For your word changes lives this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. How many of you have ever been to a concert here? How many of you have ever been um, to Building 429? We had them here twice. Remember them? Um, What's that song that they do? All I know is I'm not home at this is not where I belong. That's a rocker, isn't it? I love that song. And, you know, I didn't even know who Building 429 was. When they first came here, they came with... uh, Family Force 5. I'm a Family Force 5 guy. At Creation Festival, I love getting in that mosh pit and, like, well, when I was younger. Um, Not much younger, though, but I love moshing. Like, it's really cool slamming into people, but nicely in a Christian kind of way. Right, Bob? So, um, you know, they were coming with Family Force 5 or Disciple, and I was excited about the other band. I didn't even really know Building 429. And so the wild part was I got to mix it up with these guys before they actually went on. And uh, I'll tell you, every single band member came up to me and said, I just need to compliment you, Pastor. Like, this body is so beautiful. They said, this group of people is amazing. This is a model for how concerts should be done, Pastor. Gosh, Pastor, your team is just so kind, so gracious, so incredibly encouraging. We love working with the people here, Pastor. And it just stuck out to me that these guys were like all in unison kind of encouraging me, infusing me with courage and saying good things about this family. And by the way, there are a lot of good things to say about this family, amen? Amen. We are broken, but we are beautiful. So the wild part was I was getting all this from them, and then I realized, somebody told me, that building 429 stood for Ephesians 429. And Ephesians 429 says this, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for helping others up and building them up according to their needs that it may grant grace to those who listen. And I went, oh, these guys are living on mission. You see, they took their name from the word of God, and the word of God was what they wanted to speak to the people of God. And everybody they ran into, they wanted no unwholesome talk to proceed from their mouths, but only that which was good for building others up, that it may grant grace to those who listen. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you need any help with your mouth? All of us should just become silent right now before the Lord. Sackcloth and ashes. Now there are those of you out there that I know you're the silent type and you're like, yeah, he needs help with his mouth. But I, I don't ever say anything wrong. Can I discourage you for a moment? Can I get in your face a little bit? Because I want you to understand something. One of the most powerful weapons that we yield as broken people is silence. And 70 to 80% of what you communicate is non-verbal. Let me give you an example. (sighs) All right, yeah, whatever. Little roll of the eyes. How many people are familiar with the roll of the eyes? Or the heavy sigh. Anybody familiar with the heavy sigh? That's another compliment in the arsenal of those that are more spiteful than fightful oh, (laughs) jeez, mutter something under your breath while you're walking away. Worse yet, go and talk to your neighbor or your sister or your brother. and you gossip. You not only tear down people with your words to them, but you tear down people with your words about them. And heaven weeps, The scripture says that our tongue is filled with a restless poison. Who can tame it? I'll tell you who can tame it, Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you how we have to let him. Now, I'm astounded constantly that modern scientists, on all levels, are discovering anew what the scripture has said the whole time. You know, I could give you countless examples. We make this groundbreaking discovery scientifically and like, dude, just read the scripture. It's right there. This scripture has a proper order to it like many other words do in the word of God. God is incredibly intentional when he speaks his word. He says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. He starts with that. Then he goes, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to the needs that it may grant grace to those who listen. Now, by the way, I would strongly encourage you to read all of Ephesians 4. I encourage you to read your whole Bible, but Ephesians 4 is amazing. And I was going to actually go through the whole thing this morning, but I was just sitting over there and the Lord said, nope, just focus on this one verse. Why? Why? Because better is one verse applied than a million memorized. I'm going to say that again. You're going to say it with me after I say it one more time. Better is one verse applied than a million memorized. Can you say it with me? Better is one verse applied than a million memorized. See, this is the problem Jesus had with the Pharisees and the scribes. They knew the scripture... He said it very clearly. You scour this word that testifies about me, yet you refuse to come to me. For if you did come to me, then you would have life. What's he saying? I am the source of life in you and through you. And if you come to me, I will teach you and my power will work in and through you. And I will change your life and I will rock your world. But see, religious people don't really want to do that. They'd rather kind of keep things tied up just the way they are, thank you very much. I mean, I I may not be great, but I'm not an axe murderer. But Jesus, you know, he has a way of bringing things down to a place. People will say, well, you know, I didn't hate my brother. I didn't kill my brother. He says, anyone who says raga to his brother, which, by the way, is a hateful term in the scripture, and has hate in his heart, he's already guilty of that. He levels the playing field, and he says, change your hearts We're going to get to that in a minute. But see, this scripture has a proper order, and it it starts with this. Stop the negative. Every communication expert on the face of the planet says the first thing that you must do to improve your relationships is stop the negative communication. Well, holy smokes, it agrees with the scripture. Ephesians 4 says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. He's saying stop the negative. Listen to this, the heart of the righteous, actually read this aloud with me, you need to hear this one, read this aloud. The heart of the righteous weighs its answer, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. And let's read James 1.19 out loud together too. My dear brothers, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now, I want to encourage you to speak all the words, speak all the words, (laughs) circle the words slow, And, and, and I want you to understand something, you have something called volition, it's a beautiful gift from God, you get to choose how you respond to things. A lot of people that I talk to, I just can't help myself, Jeff. I, my mouth is just like this rest, and, and, and I see something, and I just have to say something. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. You are your own worst enemy. Say this with me. I am my own worst enemy. Say it again. I am my own worst enemy. You know how many countless couples Tracy and I've sat with? You know how many times I've been invited into teams or onto boards where there's divisiveness? And you know what most people say? They're the problem. They're the problem. Can you say this? Hold your right hand up. I am part of the problem. Say that. I am part of the problem. That's called humility. Now, you didn't say you were all of the problem because there's plenty of broken people around you. But you said you are part of the problem. Well, she started it. Yeah, okay, but now you're making it worse. Wow, you're pointing the finger at her. Stop. Let God bring to you what you need to see about you. And i got to be honest with you. In our culture, negativity just flows like a river to us. Amen? I mean, my gosh, just tune into the news. It's all filled with negativity. We have been ground in planet Earth here to see things from a, a kind of critical viewpoint where we just kind of bleed negativity naturally but the heart of the righteous weighs its anchors anger here answer and then my brother everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry let me help you understand how you're different from your dog how many people have a dog how many people have a cat all right how many people have been around a dog or a cat all right (laughs) animals do not have volition that means they don't have the freedom to choose They operate on impulse. You are created in the image of God, and God chooses to love you. He is love, but he still chooses to love you, and he gave you a chooser. And you must slow down your life with God in order to choose right. Everyone, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For your anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now, I don't know about you, but I get triggered pretty easy. Anybody with me? Especially those well-practiced triggers, you know. I mean, I've been blessed to live with my beautiful wife for 27 years now. Praise the Lord. And, you know, we we enjoy laughing together, and we enjoy spending time in the Word of God together. We enjoy spending time with our family together. And i got to tell you, I am so blessed with this incredibly beautiful dysfunctional relationship that I have. And Tracy and I always tell each other, like, hey, We have a dysfunctional relationship, but we wouldn't trade it for anybody else's dysfunctional relationship out there, because they're all dysfunctional. In other words, we're all broken, and we all struggle. But I'll tell you, there are well-practiced triggers in relationships that we go, oh my gosh, here we go again. Anybody with me? Here we go again. You know, and you get this reactive thing inside of you that is usually based on fear and manifests itself as anger and then can be very destructive in relationships. So you have some kind of stimulus where somebody says or does something, and immediately then you go to a behavior, which often could be your words. And most of us are duped into thinking that this is the way life is. Well, I can't help myself. He did that. I do this. She said that. I said this. That's not true. You have a little window in there. And that window is a place where you can choose to respond. You can choose to take your thoughts captive to Christ Jesus. No temptation has seized you except what is common to all people. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will provide a way out that you can stand up under it. The question is are you taking the way out? Are you even seeing the way out? The enemy wants to so frustrate you, your flesh wants to so just get you going fast that you don't even slow down your life and know to say, what am I thinking right now, God? What am I telling myself right now? And in this little window, I have the ability to choose to either respond like Jesus Christ out of the new person who he created me to be, Or I have an opportunity to respond out of the old person that is filled with sinfulness and wickedness and wants to hurt people. You get to choose. But there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. Now, some of you think there is. Well, I'll just wait it out. You're communicating a bunch by not communicating anything at all. And God wants you to know that he wants you to be used by him In such a way that you are communicating love and light and life to all those around you. Now this goes way beyond what's in your mouth. It goes to what's in your heart. And see, Jesus is the master of revealing things that go down deep. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, dividing joint and marrow, revealing to us the motives of our hearts... So what we need to do is trust God in such a way that we take the hand of God and we walk into our hearts with him. And we say, Jesus, what is in my heart right now? Now, I want you to understand something. Anger, in and of itself, is not a bad emotion. There's something called righteous anger. And righteous anger can be used by God as a proactive force to move things forward. How many of you ever heard of a mad mothers against drunk drivers? You ever heard of that organization? It was started by a mad mom. Mom who had lost her son in a drunk driving accident. She started mad. And through that organization, so many people, their awareness was raised of the dangers of drunken driving and driving under intoxication. See, God uses righteous anger to push things forward. But the scripture says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. For man's anger, your anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now, your anger is always a secondary emotional response. Anger is usually never a primary emotion. It always comes out of something else, and it's protective. Let me tell you the primary emotions that are under anger. Fear, guilt and shame, hurt and helplessness. Now, by the way, I'm an advocate for counseling. I've spent great time with counselors throughout my Christian life. I still visit a good counselor every once in a while when I get stuck in my life, and I go sit but the woman who's really wise, she doesn't live around here at all. I drive like an hour to get away from you people when I go to counseling. <laughs> you know, so, um, but, you know, the scripture is clear. A man or a woman benefits from a multitude of counselors. So I have coaches in my life. I have a coach in Effort a PA. And I have a counselor in Hanover, PA. And I have other people that I can call and I can go on and say, I'm really struggling right now. Can you listen to me for a while? Can you tell me what you hear? And, and I got from this time in counseling years ago, I was really angry. And she said, let me help you understand something, Jeff. And she said, fear, guilt, shame, hurt, helplessness. And she went through that whole list, and she said, how many of those are you feeling? And I said, all of them. She said, okay, speak from those. Speak from that place. God, I'm hurt right now. God, I'm scared. God, be a salve unto my soul right now because I am feeling shame and guilt, yet you have forgiven every single one of my sins, Lord. You are good. Speak to me. You see, I need to take my heart to God. Now, I can shake my fist at God, and I can get angry at God, and he can take that, by the way. But what I'm trying to point out to you is he wants to go deeper with you than your anger. He wants to go to the places where you're hurt. He wants to go to the places where you're afraid. He wants to go to the places where you feel guilt and shame because he is the answer to all of those. He loves you so much and he's forgiven you so much and forgiven people, forgive people. Loved people, loved people. You have to receive so that you can give. So you have to examine your heart before the Lord, Um, you brood of vipers, he's talking to the Pharisees there, you can speak good things when when you are evil, how can you speak good things when you are evil, boy that, you want to take off a religious person, you say something like that to them, you know, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, out of the abundance of the heart, the body speaks, you know, a lot of us keep all our resentments inside, we're not fooling anybody, you should ask the people around you, do you think I'm a resentful person? And ask them to speak honestly to your life. Now, if you are resentful, they will probably bristle and go, I'm not sure I want to answer that question. <laughs> because they're already on guard around you. You understand that? Do you want people to be on guard around you? Is that really what you want in your heart? Or do you want love and life and light and forgiveness and freedom and peace? How many of you have ever been around an old, bitter, resentful person? How many of you want to become that person? Do you think that's a possibility for you? Certainly is. And it depends on the choices that you make today as to whether or not you are contributing to that old, bitter, resentful person or whether you're contributing to the person that you are in Christ, which is filled with love and light and grace and faith. And you speak words of edification to the people around you, which we're going to get to in a second. But look, here's my list of things that can be in my heart. Now this is not a a believe me this is not a complete list but here's some things that come to me pride when I get hurt by people and I'm tendency to communicate things to them that are ungodly I can kind of go like this I would never do that can I encourage you to never say I would never why because it's only by the grace of God that you're not there right now whatever you're accusing somebody else of and you're putting them down and you're putting yourself up and going well I would never do that You know, I can tell you there's times where I've said I would never do that, and I end up doing that very thing that week. And God's just laughing and saying, Jeff, my son, I love you, but you are dumb, man. (laughs) It's only apart from my grace that you thought you would never do that. So who do you think you are, dude? I love you, but the ground is level at the foot of my cross. And you understand something. When people hurt you, you are just as capable of hurting them in the same way. I can tell you those that have been deeply hurt, wounded here, have been sexually abused, have been physically abused, God's heart is with you and for you in all this. But i got to tell you, the way to forgiveness for you is to realize the person that wounded you is just another broken person. And I know that's hard for you to hear. Obviously, their crimes against you are horrible. And yes, they should be in prison for what they've done if they've sexually abused you. But I can tell you this, forgiveness is the route. That doesn't mean you get back in relationship with them. It means in your heart, you want the best for them. See, when forgiveness has done its work in your heart, then you go, oh my gosh, I really love that person. I want the best for them. I mean, I don't want to be around them. Seriously, that's a good healthy boundary. I I choose not to be around that person right now because They're dangerous. It's toxic to me. But I so want the best for them. And I have so much compassion for the place that they're in right now. Gosh, I want God's best for that person. If you cannot say, I want God's best for that person with all your heart, you have a resentment. And that doesn't fare well in heaven. You know why? Because that's not God's heart. God doesn't carry resentments. He forgives freely. And so he longs for us to bear his image to those around us. So it's not just pride, but it's unforgiveness. So many of us live in relationship with old wounds, and we nurse them and we nurture them because we think when we nurture and nurse them that it's helping us to survive. You see, it's like a protective strategy. Oh, I'm just going to nurse this wound. I'm not going to forgive him. I'm not going to let her hurt me again. Look, how many of you thought that you would enter into human life and not get hurt? serious pain is inevitable misery is optional you're gonna get hurt how you handle your pain will in large part determine how miserable you become and the question is are you by nature a forgiving person if you are in Christ Jesus the answer to that is yes the question is are you living according to your new person are you forgiving people the way that Jesus Christ forgave you oh my gosh what a leveling humbling verse that is How about fear of conflict? Anybody out there love conflict? Okay, how many of you honestly can say, I am afraid of conflict? It's a common fear. It really is. I mean, if you love it, there might be something wrong with you. Now, some of us have grown to the point where we don't fear it as much, or we don't fear certain types of conflicts. But the fear of conflict is a big issue. Why? Because when you avoid conflict, you nurture resentment. You keep stuff inside. In uh, Jeremiah, it says you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. And so you got wounds, and you kind of, well, I'm not going to address it. I'm not going to address it. Now, by the way, you don't have to address everything. By the way, how many of you, don't raise your hand, think you have to address everything? Oh, Lord, stop that. I used to be that guy. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for delivering me from that. I grew up in a family where I addressed nothing. There was only one person in my family that was allowed to address anything. That was my mom. God bless her, I'm not blaming her, I'm just naming it. She was the powerful center of the family. And if mama wasn't happy, nobody was happy. And yet, I couldn't address my issues. Why? Because there wasn't enough room. She She took up all the whole room. So then I went from healing in Christ, to finding healing in Christ, and then I thought everybody should listen to all of my issues. An egomaniac with an inferiority complex. You swing from one side to the other. The tension is in the middle. You do not need to share every little thing with everybody. Some of the things you can just go to the Lord and say, I forgive them. Okay, you're done. So, But there are people who don't share anything. And you have fear of conflict. And that fear of conflict is allowing you to become resentful because you're not going to the person the way the Scripture tells you to. The Scripture is very clear. You are called to go to people when you have something with them that you're having a hard time getting over. You're supposed to go and take the long walk. Sit down and say, I have a problem. I have to ask your forgiveness. I've been resenting you. I'm really sorry. Will you please forgive me? Now, I don't know how many of you make a practice of having a conversation like that with people, but can I tell you, your flesh is going to scream like crazy when you do that. Your flesh is going to want to be justified. Well, they've done so much more than you have. Why are you leading with an apology? Call them out on their sin first. And then maybe you can offer some trite apology at the end. But the spirit person inside of you is saying, no, you'll be given freedom in Christ Jesus Christ to lead with humility, because he's a humble servant. And you can go to people and say, I have been keeping this stuff inside. I haven't come to you. That's been my sin. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And if that person is gracious and modeling the image of Christ, they'll say, surely, I forgive you. Absolutely. And What's going on? Then you have an opportunity to start sharing with them what you're struggling with, but it is your problem. Don't make it their problem. It's your problem. Just ask for their help with your problem. Can you help me with my problem? See, that's that's biblical conflict resolution. That's humility. We often have judgments of those around us, right? A lack of compassion and understanding. We don't listen long enough to understand. Can I tell you something? You might know this already. You ever been around a person that strikes you as rather bizarre and awkward, and you really don't want to be around them? Anybody been around someone like that? You're like, yeah, I'm sitting next to one now. Miss Bowles, no. Can I something that will tell you would change your absolute perspective on that person? Ask them to tell them, tell tell you their story. Ask ask them, say, can I sit with you for an hour and can you just tell me your story? And I'll lay you 10 to one. If that person is willing to do that, at some point you'll go, oh my gosh, now I get it. And you might say something like, Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me for passing judgment. on someone who's created in your image that I didn't know was broken that way, I've interacted with people with grace like that here. You know, people with the red, yellow flags kind of go up or the red flags kind of go up, and I'm like, whoo, I don't know. I don't know, Lord, something, something. And then I hear their stories, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, can I just throw my arms around you? I'm so sorry that you went through that. See, so many of us are so wounded, and God calls us to be people of compassion because he's a God of compassion, He understands, and he wants us to listen long enough to understand. But if you're in the midst of conflict, so many of us are doing what's called reactive listening. Can I help you understand what reactive listening is? When somebody is trying to help you understand, and they're telling you their perspective, you're formulating rebuttals in your mind. You don't have to raise your hands. I know everybody in the room does this. Well, I can't believe you. you But you do that much more than I do, and you're not saying these things, but you're thinking them. And what happens is all that reactionary stuff gets in the way of you truly understanding what somebody else is thinking and feeling and wanting. Judgments and self-absorption. You know, so many of us are just so focused on ourselves that it's hard for us to even get to the point where we're ready to listen to anybody. Perception that time is short, the list goes on and on and on. But here's the thing, we don't avoid conflict. We take it and we face it. Biblically. Let me help you understand what I mean by this. Better is open rebuke than love concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Can you say that out loud with me? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. i hope you understand something here. The scripture is speaking about the way in which we're called to live with one another, love one another. Love sometimes is hard, and love encourages. Love speaks encouraging things, it uplifts people, but love also brings a word of challenge. You know, I've had this on staff here because I have brothers and sisters around me who love me deeply. And I I remember this time in an office where, you know, one of my friends here and staff, he kind of left a meeting with me that we were just in. He goes, I think you were overreacting a little bit. And everything inside of me went, I wasn't overreacting! See, that's called reactive listening. But by the grace of God, God slowed me down, and he showed me that window, and he said, listen, test this. Am I saying this to you? And I had to stop. I had to think. I had to look up, and I went, I think you're right. I think I was. And then I had to go back, and apologize. didn't have to, I wanted to go back and apologize to the folks that I was a little overreactive with. You see how this works? I mean, you're not perfect people, you have a perfect God, and that perfect God is forgiving you of every sin, and as a result of that, you now can be humble, and you are free now to own your sin. You're free to confess it. You you can kind of go, like, this makes me sad, I'm confessing this to you, But I've already been forgiven by him. So I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to participate with him. You see, that's the way it works. And we're people that are free. We don't have to hide anymore. We don't have to justify anymore. We don't have to defend anymore. We don't have to do any of that stuff. Because Jesus Christ is our justifier. He is our defender. He is our righteousness. We no longer have to act self-righteous. He is the one who is righteous. And as a result of that, it's just us and him. So I wonder how good you are at receiving criticism. Constructive criticism and even criticism that's offered poorly. I've had people offer it to me poorly, believe me. I have people come to me like, yes, upset the whole apple cart, <laughs> this kind of stuff or whatever, and I'm like, okay, slow down. Now, it depends on where I am. If I'm really solid in the Lord, sometimes I'll just let them go. And I'll just listen. If I'm in a little like tender place myself, I'll hold a hand out and I'll say, can I stop you for a minute? I really want to hear what you have to say right now, but I'm having a hard time hearing it the way you're saying it. It's okay if we just take it a little slower. Maybe you could be a little more gentle with me. Now, by the way, I learned to do that years ago. In my family, you didn't do stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know how people would have reacted. I think they would have just like looked stunned, like, what are you, what are you smoking, you know? I had a friend years ago, her name was Tarja, and uh, she was learning some of these basic like, human life skills, too. You know? and, and so she was talking, and I interrupted her. How many of you like to be interrupted? Those of us who talk freely can interrupt people relatively freely. You know? And in my family, sometimes everybody was so loud, you just had to interrupt to make any kind of contribution. So I interrupted her, and she powered up on me, and she went, I don't like being interrupted! And I was like, obviously not. You know, and so I, I swallowed my pride and then, she, and then she just stopped and she just went on with her conversation. I was like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> so at the end, she, she finished and I said, Tarja, can I, can I say something to you? She said, sure. I said, you're right, I did interrupt you. I'm really sorry. Will you please forgive me? She looked at me and she was, yeah, absolutely, you're forgiven. I said, Tarja, can I also ask you for something else? And she said, yeah, what's that? I said, can you be more gentle with me? And she said, You know, I have a problem with gentleness. Now, I didn't say, Damn, right? Oh, sorry, darn right you did. I didn't say that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let's go to prayer now, shall we? <laughs> darn right you do. There's a recovery. Folks, we're going with 11 o'clock, all right? Just back there, we're at 11 o'clock. Uh, so I, I didn't say that. I could have rubbed it in. I could have, like, kind of said, sort of, yeah, you do. I didn't say that. I said, thank you. She said, Jeff, will you forgive me for not being gentle with you? And I went, oh, my gosh. You can do relationships like this? People can be that honest about what they're feeling, and they can actually extend humility and grace to each other and forgiveness to each other? That's the way God wants you to live. It's so much better than the other way. And yet we keep choosing the other way. You see, he doesn't want you to avoid conflict. He wants you to face it. And he wants you to handle it with such grace. Listen, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he or she must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him or her, he must instruct gently in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Do you understand? God is gentle with you. God is patient with you. He is kind with you. And he wants you to show the same kindness, patience, and gentleness with those around you. It does not come to you naturally. It only comes to you by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I want you to think about this. I want you to become habitually positive. Now, some of you may have immediately noticed that I misspelled some of these words. How many people noticed that right away? Okay, most of you did. Why? Because you've been formed to find what's wrong. That's intentional. You were formed in this world to find what's wrong. He says, I don't want to hold some talk from your mouth, but only that which is helpful, building others up according to their needs that it may grant grace. Listen, Philippians 4, eight. Paul is talking in the midst of relational conflict. There's two women that are fighting with you, uh, each other, Yodia and Sataka, and they're fighting with each other, and he's speaking into this system, and he says these words. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Do You think he's trying to make a point? think about such things. And I'm sure Paul would say, and speak about such things. See, God calls us to be people who see the good and say the good. Why? It changes people's lives. If you're able to say to someone that you're sitting with and saying, Chris, can I tell you that you are one of the most amazing leaders that I've ever had the opportunity to work with? Your leadership is so incredible that when I see you interact with people, I know that your gift is from God. And I'm so grateful, Chris, that you are here with us. What an amazing gift. And I know that to be true about you. Now, if you hear people say stuff like that about you, how does that change your life? How does that change your life? It makes you want to step up, right? It makes you want to continue to trust God so that he even flourishes more through you and in you. How many people are you telling daily, I'm so grateful for you, and can I tell you why? You see, he wants you to become myopic over the positive, but you were formed not to do that. I want to show you some school papers here. Um, How many of you went to school? (laughs) Yeah, so so when you went to school, (laughs) you did stuff like this in elementary school. Now, if you had a good teacher, You didn't get this, but check this dude out. This little girl, little guy, he got every answer right, and what did the teacher write? 100, messy, exclamation mark. That's horrifying, and yet we're accustomed to it. The dude got every single one right, and the only word that you wrote on the page was messy? What's in your heart? Here's another one. This guy or gal has a definitive case of the lowercase e's. <laughs> look, grasshoppers lay eggs. Grasshoppers are insects. They look like their parents. They have six legs and long feelers. There is a lot of really cool stuff there. Did you know what this teacher did? Corrected every e and wrote b. How do you think that affects the soul of a person who's receiving their paperback from the time they're really little? Didn't do enough. Guess it wasn't good enough. Guess I'll never be good enough. Susie got an A. Look at her E's. They're awesome. Serious. This is what happens. Now, can I show you a good teacher? Here's a good teacher. Look at this. Good. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Look at that H, man. I haven't seen an H like that since I've been teaching for 15 years, and I never saw an H like that. See what that teacher does? She fans the flame of what's good. Huh? Now, look at what's going on here in this next one. Take a look. Here's the teacher. Good. Look down here. Beautiful. Oh, now, pick your bee up a little bit. You see? You see what she does? It's in the context of all the grace and all the beauty and all the affirmation that she says, all right, now pick that bee up. And you know what that student says? I want to pick my bee up. I want to raise that because she sees me. The way that God sees me. They might think that, but they know it inherently. We know it inherently when somebody finds good in us and fans the flame of the good. My dad was a broken and beautiful man. He was a man who loved God and loved people well. He was imperfect, but he used to say some beautiful things to me. And one of the things he used to say was, Jeff, you don't start a fire by kicking at the dead coals but by blowing on the live ones. How many of you have ever tried to start a fire by kicking a dead coal? I'm glad nobody raised their hand. But you do that all the time with people. You pick out what's wrong, you kick at it, you pick at it, you nurse it, you get resentful over it, and you think that's going to change them. That's not going to change them. What's going to change them is finding what's right and fanning the flames of what's right. And then in the context of you sharing affirmation with them and love with them and saying, can I tell you why I'm grateful with you? And you have to tell them, by the way, long enough so they start to believe you. Because some of us have been in relationships for the longest time and we've never said anything good. If you go home and just start saying, wow, I tried it for a day, it didn't work. How many years of cumulative experience does this person have with you being negative or critical? Well, God's an amazing redeemer. He can actually cut that time in half, and sometimes in a quarter, and sometimes a tenth, and sometimes a hundredth, but you need to have your heart changed. You need to see the person the way that God sees them, and you need to actually start affirming them, because there's two pictures of every, people, every person that you will meet, you will have. One picture has to do with seeing them as someone who, in their old self, is hopeless and worthless. And is defined by their sin and is worthy of being hated by you and everybody else. That's one picture. The other picture is who they are created to be in Christ Jesus. Well, Jeff, they don't know Christ Jesus. That's okay. God still loves them. God still created them in in his image. And you can love them into knowing Christ Jesus. How? By being a representative for him. By seeing and saying the good. See, say and say to others and about others what they don't see in themselves. And you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed when you say this and you see this. You'll speak into them. And then what will happen is they'll start responding to you. And you will start building relationship by the grace of God. And if they don't know Christ, you know what? Eventually they may ask you about him. And you may have an opportunity to tell them that the only reason why I can say these things to you is because he is saying them to me. And then they might say something like, can you help me to know him? Because I've wanted to be loved all my life. See, we all want that. Scripture says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Can I encourage you to meditate on that verse? Encourage one another daily. Infuse each other with courage every day as long as it's called today so that not any of you would be hardened in your hearts by deceitfulness. You know one of the sure signs of the end times? In the scripture, is the love of many will grow cold? How you doing? It's time to start all over again, folks. God's mercies are new every morning. If there's anything that I've said up here that God said through me, and hopefully He spoke through me, I, he, I don't even He might even have said that cuss word. I don't know. If there's anything that God has spoken to me that's true about you, can I tell you something? Today is your day. It's your day. Scripture says that angels rejoice in heaven when one sinner repents. And that's not just unto salvation. That means you turn your heart to him and you say, Jesus, change my heart today and my relationships. Help me to be more like you, God. Help me to know your love in such a way that it just comes to me and it moves through me so freely. And how does that start? Through your confession. You must go to those around you who you've hurt, who you've resented. You must go to those who you've spoken ill of. That's called gossip, by the way. See, so you don't just hurt people by what you say to them. You hurt people with what you say about them. Many of us should just fall silent before the Lord when we think about these things. You see, we need to see and say to others and about others what they don't see in themselves and what God has put in them. So here, make a habit of this. Not only going to your friends and family and saying, can I tell you why I'm so grateful for you? Talk about them that way. Go to others and say, hey, can I tell you, I just love working with Chris Sizzick. Well, you don't work with Chris Sizzick, but I do, right? So I can say that. I can tell you why I love working with her, you see, and like become so excited about sharing the goodness of God in other people that you become habitually positive. That's what the scripture wants from you. That's what God is towards you. He's habitually positive. He goes, what sin? Come on, let's keep going. I love you. Let's keep going. Yeah, I, I, I want you to know me more. And yes, I do allow hardship in your life so that you can know me more. But here's the truth. I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I always am positive towards you. I always see in you my son because he lives in you. So come on, let's get over this stuff that hurts people and hurts my heart, and let's love like I do. So you have a choice, one of two pictures picture of people that deserve to be hated, and the picture of people that deserve to be loved. I want to show you a little video. I'm going to ask that you spend some time really letting this video sink in. And after this video, I'm going to ask if you'd come forward. I want the prayer team to come forward during the video, if you're here prayer team. I hope you're here prayer team. I see one on a prayer team anyway. Um, but I want you to come forward and allow people to pray for you today. I want you to start all over today and say, I'm done with all that stuff, condemnation, all the resentment. I just want to lay it down. I want to start anew. And can I tell you, if you really want that in your heart and you say it to God, he honors that. He loves a broken and contrite spirit. So Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. And help us to become an army of people filled with words of affirmation and life and light because that's who you are. And that's how you speak to us, God. Your scripture is so clear. We can't say we love you and yet hate our brother or sister. It just doesn't work that way. So God, guide us. Thank you for forgiving us. Now help us to forgive each other. To live like the light we are. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. i Maybe you're here today, and you realize you've been using the wrong camera, and you're handing people the wrong picture. You're reinforcing what they already believe about themselves, that they're defined by their greed, by their lust, fill in the blank. God wants to give you his eyes to see people. If you're in the place where you want to change that about you, I want to encourage you to come forward today. Maybe you watch the video and you realize, I need to have a new picture of myself. Like, I don't see myself that way, and that's why I don't treat people that way. I want you to come forward and let us pray for you. Because if that's in your heart, God put it there. And he honors a prayer that's as simple as enough. God, changed me from the inside out. So Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you now, and we ask that as we worship, would guide us now in a time of crying out to you collectively, that we would represent your image more fully than we ever have before, that an army of people would be released from this auditorium today that would look like that little girl going around and not literally but figuratively snapping pictures of people and handing them to them in such a way that they change their continents because they know your love. We thank you that you are a God whose love endures forever. And that you see us through your son, Jesus Christ, a spotless, perfect, righteous because of your gift. I pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. Let's stand together and worship.